Welcome to the Michelle Meow Show, your A through Z, covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between. Welcome to our special Commonwealth Club program with my co-host, John Zipper. It's a it's a great day. It's a Monday, which is really odd because I'm usually here on Thursdays. <laughs> it's um, a wonderful sunny Monday more afternoon. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, today we do have a special program, and it really was born out of an innocent, honest question of mine. Stockton, California, is uh, my hometown. It is a town in which I grew up in. My parents still live there. And so while the rest of the country is uh, excited by the media uh, headlines that it's made um, with the election of the youngest ever in Stockton's history mayor, also the first African-American mayor, Mayor Michael Tubbs, uh, people are also excited about this idea that the city itself will – be kind of a test city, testing out this this program, uh, this idea called universal basic income. And if you're following the Democratic presidential debates, you'll know that there is one candidate who talks very, you know, big about this idea, the universal basic income. As a progressive, I'll have to tell you, like, that is incredible, and we're excited for it. As someone who grew up in Stockton and thinking about uh, the way that I grew up in even where my, my, my family is today and the poverty levels, you know, this is – this could be a transformation of this city – the youngest mayor, youngest ever mayor, and also the first African American mayor, uh, has also talked about some exciting programs such as Stockton scholarships, uh, which they have funded nearly half a million dollars, I believe, to young students who are looking to go to college, and also a program called Advance Peace, which is part of his reinvent Stockton organization. So this sounds incredible, uh, miles, miles away from the headlines that the city did make before. It was one of the largest cities in this country to have filed for bankruptcy. And so now the city is financially healthy. It sounds like we're on the right track. But why is one publication uh, and our guest today why is he in such opposition and very vocal and very critical of all this good news? Our guest today is Montezuma Sanchez, who is the founder of 209 Times. 209 Times has garnered thousands of supporters online and has reached millions of impressions. He is a father, he's an entrepreneur, he's a community advocate, political activist, a published author, a videographer, an artist, a USMC veteran, and uh, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure Motec. being here. To yeah, Motec San Francisco for short. and to the Commonwealth Club and to the program. It's a pleasure to be here, and I uh, definitely came on a good day because it is nice and sunny, which <laughs> the audience can't see, but we can definitely see. Yeah. Um, yeah. So before we start talking about you know Stockton, though, it's a tradition of the program to get to know you better. Okay. So born and raised in Stockton? Mm-hmm. Born and raised. Um, was actually born on the south side and then uh the home that we lived in by the train tracks got shot up so my mother moved us up north and and i grew up mostly on the north side but i've also lived uh downtown um different areas like sixth street on the south side and uh you know I, i've seen a lot of Stock, stockton is, is a city that most people don't realize it has a has a very deep rooted history of being segregated and so it's kind of cordoned off in in south side north side and and divided in that sense east side etc and so 
uh, I'm one of the people that that feels I have a unique experience in that I've been able to see um, the city from a holistic perspective from various sides that uh, where from where I was born, where I had family to where I actually went to school in the more nicer area um, and graduated from Lincoln High School. Um, that is a nicer area. Yes, it, it, it is. But but, you know, it, it's, it's becoming, I guess, increasingly difficult, more difficult in Stockton to say what is the nicer area mm-hmm. now unless it's behind, you know, uh, gated walls and a gated community. Um, and I think that's some of the things we'll, we'll touch on as we get into some of the issues and why we uh, educate the public and make them aware of certain issues with with two and I times um, to kind of break through the facade of of, uh, you know, the juxtaposition of what's being said, what's being presented in, in the mainstream media, and then what's really happening behind the curtain. Um, so, yeah, born and raised in Stockton, uh, have four children and, um, you know, uh, have a lot of hobbies. And this is one of them. Uh, hobbies. Politics is definitely one of them. And we'll get into just how involved you are. John. We ask this oftentimes when we have someone here on the program who grew up in San Francisco or in Oakland, and it's like, well, you certainly have seen, you know, San Francisco and Oakland change a lot over your life. How has Stockton changed over the time that you've been there, which is your lifetime? I've seen a lot of uh, positive changes that I can say, uh, but I've seen a lot of the challenges continue to persist, um, and that's kind of what got me started as a community activist when I was younger in trying to address a lot of those long-standing problems. Such as? Now, because I suspect people in our audience know about Stockton. Some of you are from Stockton. Um, Michelle Miao is from Stockton. I'm from Wisconsin, mm-hmm. so I had to look on Google to find out exactly where it was in the <laughs> state. So uh, what are some of the the the, what are some of the challenges that you've just seen that, that the city maybe has always had? And then we'll get into current stuff. I, I would say a lot of the segregation and, uh, you know, from its history of, of redlining and, and things of, and racial restrictive covenants with uh, the good side of town that we're talking about, like Lincoln Village, Lincoln High School area, uh, was actually born out of racial restrictive covenants where you were legally barred from uh, buying property or renting property in that area area explicitly stated on the house deeds unless you were white um and so that's and that was only recently changed like within the last 30 40 years so you're not talking about a a a great separation from that past and you still see a lot of residual effects um where you will see a lot of the crime we are perennially the second most violent if not the violent most violent city uh per capita in california one of the top 10 in the nation um we just actually were uh listed on the the time magazine that just came out stockton is listed on there as well as these other cities that have had mass shootings. Stockton had a mass shooting earlier this year um, where five people were shot at a vigil for a homicide victim that had occurred like two days prior. Uh, so it's, it's those type of problems where, you know, the poverty permeates a great section of, of the community, um, challenges with the education, you know, only half, 50% of our population has a high school degree, uh, only to my recollection, unless the numbers went up slightly between 15 and 16 percent has a um, a bachelor's degree or higher, which the state average is 36 percent. Um, so that's a, that's a challenge as well. And 
I myself welcomed, you know, uh, Stockton Scholars when it was first announced because that's one of those things that you hope can address that trend. So explain um, what stock again for the folks who don't know the area. What was the scholarship program, and how is it different from? Other programs. The the Stockton Scholar Program is one of the the pet projects of uh, the current mayor Michael Tubbs, um, which even even as I'm sitting here um, and listening to to you introduce the programs in the city, just me already knowing about it, but just hearing it like be uh, presented that way. It, it it does sound exciting. It does sound like you know uh, it's something to celebrate, it's something to clap for. Um, Unfortunately, those of us who have been on the other side of that coin and seen from a different perspective that's uh, more focused, we see the devil is in the details where what may be presented on the surface is always not the reality uh, behind the scenes. And Stockton Scholars is one of the programs that on the surface, why would anybody uh, oppose it? Right. But once you start getting more critical and asking the, the deeper questions, like why is an elected official co-mingling official government business with a nonprofit that he that he incorporated the same month he took office? And then you're talking about millions of dollars uh, changing hands with anonymous donors into a foundation that an elected official Founded and another elected official is the executive director of that also happens to be the board president of the largest school district in the city. It raises a lot of red flags for us and it, it, it begs a lot of questions as far as what is really happening behind the scenes, um, in, including some of the the way that the, the scholarships are uh, being distributed. A case in point, we're talking about Lincoln High School. I I I don't, what, what school did you graduate from? Bear Creek. Okay, so that's Lodi, right? So we have, so right now, if, if you were a student at Lodi, uh, Bear Creek, you may be, live in an area that you, you're dealing with the same challenges, uh, with poverty, with um, maybe peers being in gangs and, and dealing with the threat of, of violence daily at school. Um, but you would be less eligible to receive one of these Stockton scholarships just based on the fact that you happen to be in a different school district than what uh, Mayor Tubbs and and his nonprofit organization have deemed to it's a self-imposed rule it's not like uh there's any kind of strings attached from the circumstances of the scholarship it's literally literally something that they imposed themselves to say we will make uh Stockton Unified School District is eligible for the scholarship but Lincoln and Lodi and Manteca and and uh for that for the outside audience might be confused by that but it's important to note that Stockton um actually has four school districts so even though you hear Manteca or or Lodi like where you went to Lodi Unified even though it's in Stockton they're controlled by these school districts that are from other cities and uh the reason for that is a lot of people don't realize if you look at the history of Stockton and segre- segregation, um, which was attached to uh, home values, home values were were back in the day were assigned to the amount of 
black or Mexican or Chinese people that lived in that, that neighborhood. So if you had certain undesirable people living in, in your neighborhood, it would affect your home prices. Hence the racial restrictive covenants. When they made those illegal, the way to get around that, the way they enforce it to this current day is more so school districts. So if I'm a developer and I'm building a new um, home development and I'm saying, hey, these these uh, come move to this neighborhood, your kids get to go to a Stockton Unified School District. You as a consumer may or may not be a, uh, excuse me, you as a developer may not be able to garner as high of a price knowing that the school district attached to this neighborhood is going to be the bad school district of Stockton. So what they've done is they've they've brought in Manteca Unified, Lodi Unified to say, okay, you don't have to worry about your kids going to a Stockton school. They get to go to Lodi or Manteca, and it makes it a little bit more appealing. I see that as a residual of the the, the effects of institutional racism and the redlining that, that we addressed, um, but that's one of those things where – we look at Scott Stockton scholarship program as really continuing that legacy. Um, because why would you as a, as a bear Creek student have to, you're eligible for what they call, um, I forget the name of it, but it's, it's like a tangent scholarship. Uh, but when you read the details of that, you have to be accepted to one of the top tier schools like a UC or USC or a Stanford, so now you've just set the bar for yourself being a student from Lodi Unified. Now the bar you have to attain is much higher than than if you were to go to a Stockton Unified school for no fault of your own. So it's, it's those type of issues that we, we uh, are critical of when you look at the details. Let's let's dial let's dial back um, and go, you know, into the reason why you formed 209 times mm-hmm. and the re to the reason to to be intrigued enough to want to do some research and 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 you know your red flags going up like okay maybe this isn't what's being sold to the public i, I would say it really goes back to my education and experience um i have a degree in in ethnic studies from uh, sac state and I think it's really my education experience there being exposed to uh, documentaries about like Oak Park and Sacramento, um, different neighborhoods that were getting more in depth to understanding why are communities the way they are today? What made them that way? Is it by happenstance? Is it by design? And so I was inspired by my education in ethnic studies to make a documentary like that, do the research on my city, which is Stockton. I wanted to answer those questions for myself and at the same time present whatever findings to the community. So I, I made a documentary called Mudville Harvest. You can watch it on YouTube um, that I did a lot of research, looked into these factors that we're talking about, found out, you know, there's a lot of historical patterns um, and forces at play. And that kind of taught me, number one, these are the issues. Number two, uh, the research as far as like, well, something is presented this way, but the reality is it's a little bit different. So uh, 209 Times came about because in Stockton, and I think it's happening, you know, it's a trend happening nationwide where mainstream media has is pretty much monopolized now. And, and it's uh, uh, corporate controlled with only a few different hands kind of controlling all of the, the, the threads and tentacles throughout the nation. And the, the newspaper in Stockton, the record, um, 
became no different. They were bought out by corporate, you know, in like the 90s, uh, if I'm correct. And then you started slowly started seeing a change where with the industry transforming the way that it is, um, people getting laid off, um, revenue become becomes harder to come by with advertising. I think that that a shift has occurred where papers like the record put more priority on the funding and the sponsors rather than, okay, how are we going to, you know, represent journalism or, or uh, make the community aware of what's going on? Well, yeah, and just to jump in very quick, I mean, the fact that, you know, when we talk about mainstream media in a town in Stockton, you bring mm-hmm. up the record, which is a local newspaper. I mean, that it, for a lot of users today, mm-hmm. right, the, stock, the, the paper yeah. is a dying you know, medium and, and not much is being reported. And so I do want to, I do want to, you know, set, set that and let set that straight for the record. And even if you're watching TV in the, in Stockton, you know there are a limited amount of uh, local news news that you're you're getting. Um, but yeah, I guess you pretty... know the yeah the the reason why you know I want to I want to dive into this is just again like it goes back to yeah there there might that maybe the way that these programs are being executed there there could be some questions raised mm-hmm. out of it of how it's being executed. But at the end of the day, I mean, five hundred thousand dollars is given to students who are going to college. I mean, that that's that's a positive. Uh, if yeah. uh, if uh, you know something like universal basic income and over a hundred families are given five hundred dollars a month, right, to impact their bottom line, and they're they're able to meet an emergency that they may not even had the savings for, which is one of the mayor's talking points about universal basic income. We don't. An average American doesn't have that savings there in order to afford that. Those are all great positive things, and maybe they just take a little bit of time in order for it to mm. come to fruition and make a big major impact. I just, I'm trying to understand, like, why why the criticism? So, like, you're, you're one of the most vocal <laughs> uh, publishing or, or online you know media companies mm. out there. Everybody else, like the record, yes, you're right. Some of the articles that are being written about the mayor are very. If they are going to criticize, it would be would be light, especially mm. when talking about violence. I want to understand the core of your criticism. So let let's uh, let me let me use let me let me pivot from talking about the mayor to talk about the former sheriff to use an example, uh, because this one I think is more black and white. Um, being politically active and my involvement in politics really was born out of my community activism. Um, like I said, having a background in, in the Chicano movement, in ethnic studies, uh, since I was 17 years old and, and being very involved in, in, uh, leading, planning, organizing marches, demonstrations, um, for the longest time. And then, you know, the older that I got, uh, having been sent to the Iraq war as a United States Marine, it woke me up to understand and say, look, politicians made this decision that had me on the other side of, of the globe with a gas mask and experimental anthrax vaccine in, in my body, um, for a political decision that was made. And from my perspective, uh, politically motivated, um, reasons right so that that woke me up to see that the the connection between um people in positions to make decisions and then the effects it has on public policy and the effects it has on community so what i what i did was localize that and understand and say well 
who who are the players uh, who are making these decisions? Who do they work for? Because you can have different cycles of elected officials, but you still keep seeing the same results in a community like Stockton. The record as a media source, um, because of the extensive network that I have, I used to feed them information to say, hey, look, look what's going on with uh, this department or, or something or rather. And they would publish it. They would do stories. And it got to the point where we started noticing that they were no longer doing that. And it's almost as if they were suppressing this information to come out on certain uh, powerful individuals or organizations. And it's almost as if they were protecting them. So, uh, I noticed that more people started coming my way because they would see me in the news of, uh, getting a police officer fired for giving me an illegal ticket in the middle of the night on Christmas, which occurred, um, and things of that situation. So like a magnet, people would be drawn to me and, and they would come seeking help. And so I came out with the idea to say, well, I could continue educating people through my own personal network, but I only reach so many people. So well, if I could, the, what's the education? For example, like I, like if I'm reading your post, like I'm, I'm, I'm hearing something completely different. Like for example, right when we talk about violence in in Stockton, um, yes, the Stockton Police Department has put out you know their own communication that there's been a spike in violence, mm-hmm. especially this year, although the narrative might be a little bit different, uh, maybe downplayed you know, yeah. in, in other areas, uh, mainstream media, for example, and I'm talking national newspapers who might mm-hmm. say, okay, you know, since the election of Mayor Tubbs, violence has somewhat dipped and, and maybe stabilizing, or he's got programs out there that's outright addressing the violence. So I just, I just want to get to the specifics. Like, what do you, you're reporting something completely different than and what the mayor is talking about as Correct. far as progress in his programs. Correct. What are you seeing as a resident of Stockton? So we're, we're seeing the basically you have an, a narrative that is being uh, put out there by elected officials who have interests in their political careers or aspirations. And then you see the effects of five people getting shot at a vigil for a homicide victim, right? You see the data come out and consistently show every single year the trend has been going in the wrong direction. Uh, you see homicides up this year, 53%, um, while our mayor is in Detroit or other cities doing paid speeches saying everything is fine in Stockton. So there's that juxtaposition by what is being said and what we're seeing firsthand with our own eyes in the community and then also the the actual data, the statistics that are supporting the perception that, hey, the problem is getting worse. And so that's the educational component to say, hey, the numbers are out from Stockton PD for the month of June. Homicide is up 53 percent. So maybe a program paying suspected shooters thirteen hundred dollars a month is not having the effect that they said it had in Richmond. And part of the homework that we do is going and actually speaking to people in Richmond and looking even more in depth into that to say, we really feel like a narrative was sold to the public, even in Richmond when it came to advanced peace. And so it's, it's really looking beyond just the headlines because what I've noticed from, from doing media is that the narrative is important and it can be, it, you, you can look at numbers. You could say, we're going to make it sound this way, or we're going to make it sound that way. It's for the public to decipher, hey, here's the black and white numbers, and and you have that going on. It's also easy to see how 
media can say, we're going to pick to tell this part of the story and we're going to ignore this part. And so you see the the desired effect of is it is it pushing a narrative and how do you how do you counter that by with with the truth, with with the data, right? To say, here's the headline, but hey, what about these other factors that contribute to this headline? Um, and and so the reason why I bring up the the sheriff is because he was in he was in office for 12, 12 years. He he was a popular sheriff. He was uh, the president of the sheriffs association for California. He was endorsed by the mainstream media. That the mainstream media outlet, the record, is saying to the community, "This person is a stand-up guy. Vote for him again." But yet, we have people coming to us with documentation of of laws that are being violated, of uh, families that are grieving because one of their loved ones was killed as part of a, um, a rash of crimes created by, by serial killers. And you see the documentation is not just stories because we vet everything that comes to us. And then you start to see a pattern that why are these stories not being told? Why are they not being put out there? And so so when our times was created as to be that outlet and that voice of, of uh, truth because we felt and and the results were showing it was not being put out there by the mainstream media that we felt was more focused on their bottom line, which was profit. And so we see that continued over with whether it's Mayor Tubbs, whether it's other council members, other uh, supervisors, other departments, whether it be the police department is is another one, you know, um, they're giving awards and celebrating the chief of police and 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 uh he's going around giving speeches about how progressive of a chief he is but yet i've been there in person personally we have videos we have again data when uh mayor tubbs called in 50 riot cops at city hall because black lives matter uh had an issue with how he was responding to the violence in the community and the officer involved shootings and then we know from doing the research that things have changed when it comes to the police department how they interact with the community not because we have a a progressive chief but because the attorney general eric holder chose stockton as one of six cities nationwide to put in a pilot program because they feared that we would become the next ferguson because of how much friction was between the community and the police department so we know that the effect of the change from our perspective, we see that really being driven by the activists, by the people that have blocked traffic, that have gotten city hall shut down and riot police called in on them. But yet the narrative by the mainstream is being told, well, it's the result of this progressive police chief. Right. But what about the fact that this police chief, without any consent of his own, was placed in this this uh, program, this pilot program as one of six cities because they did not want Stockton to become the next Ferguson. That narrative and, and, and those background facts are not being presented because the narrative of what this happy story about Stockton that is that is being packaged and sold is that everything's getting better here. Right. But we look at it like if you cannot acknowledge the true roots of the problems, then it's only temporary. If I if I give a kid a five hundred dollar scholarship, but his books are four hundred and eighty three dollars for the semester, that's not I'm not paying for that kid's tuition. I'm barely paying for that kid's books. But but 
if I come out and I say that, everybody can give that credit and celebrate it. But if I come out like the mayor has done and says, hey, we're going to cover all fees. Kids are going to go to college tuition free. We look at that. OK, now you're selling a narrative and you're doing it because of your political motivations. But you're again, you're commingling nonprofit business with where is the firewall? Right. Where where does where does the office of the mayor stop and where does the nonprofit foundation begin? Because right now with the whole hashtag slogan reinvent Stockton, there is there is no differentiation between the two. They're literally being commingled and the taxpayers need to understand, are they funding city staff employees to solicit grant funding for a nonprofit organization Nobody else is allowed to do that. I, I also uh, am the CEO of, an, of a nonprofit 501c3. I don't get to go use city staff to say, hey, go find me uh, $4 million that we can say we're giving to scholarships. But then when you look at the money, case in point is UBI, universal basic income. So if I go on TV and I say, hey, I'm giving 100 families uh, $100 a month or $500 a month. Uh, part of our team, we've actually infiltrated the process. We've, we've infiltrated the, the selection process. We've infiltrated the interview process. Uh, I just got a $25 gift card, um, a couple weeks ago from, from the program for, for doing one of the surveys, um, because we are embedded in the process. We also know from that program that it's not just poor families receiving this money and that we know of one person in particular that is connected to the mayor uh, that should should this information be made public. There's going to have to be some questions that need to be answered uh, as far as the selection process and the integrity of it. So if I come out and I say, hey, I'm helping the poorest of, of, of Stockton families, everybody, that's a great headline. Who Who could argue against that? But then when the details come out and then we find out the mayor got $3 million for his nonprofit, but only a million dollars is being used for this, these monies over 18 months, what is the other $2 million being used for? I'm going to come back to that. I, yeah. I do want John to jump in. Well, I'm going to say this, the probably the most understated statement of this entire program, which is you're controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of cities and lots of mayors have people who are – you know, criticize. I mean, London Breed gets it from all sides all day long. Um, and we know there are a lot of supporters of Mayor Tubbs who do not like you, <laughs> do not like 209 times. Um, and we might have some of them here. We're going to do Q&A at, toward the end of the program. So we may hear from some of them, too. And that's great. That's what this is about. Well, most definitely. Yeah. yeah. But from your side, OK, why are you any different from you know, anyone else, why does this, the opposition to you seem to be so strong and pointed that, I mean, I know lots of people again in San Francisco who kind of are critical of the mayor in print and online and such, and they don't get that sort of pushback. I, from my perspective, I would look at that and say the answer is easy is because we are, we are good and effective at what we do. If we weren't, nobody would care. Right. And so the fact that, a lot of the articles or, or financial statements or, or videos and things that, that has been made public on 209 Times about, um, let's, let's take, for, for example, the last election. Everybody that Mayor Tubbs endorsed lost. 
at, when it comes to city council. He, he lost every single selection. We look at that to say, well, it's because of the people are more educated now. They're getting it, they're getting information and sources from the record and they're getting it from us. And the fact that we have 50,000 followers on Facebook and they've had a 10 year head start, they only have 24,000. It tells us, well, we're we're resonating. Right. People are paying attention to what we're saying. If if I'm part of the political opposition or I'm part of a, a, a group of, of business interests that then has their horse in a race, which are these elected officials, and they want to get grants from the city, they want to get these uh, real estate developments, they want to get these properties for literally for a dollar for a block of city property, which we have seen. Um, and somebody comes out and says, hey, they're giving this property for a dollar. Everybody should know about that. And people get upset. I'm going to get upset with the guy that's telling you that is going on. And so I really look at that as uh, to me, I take that as encouraging that we are doing a good job. It's not just our growth. It's not just our feedback. The fact that we average two million engagements a month. Uh, the, these last 28 days, we've we've exceeded 19.6 million individual accounts reached on just Facebook alone. That's not including online or the Instagram. So we're, we're resonating because if we were just, you know, making noise just to make noise, nobody would, we, we would have faded away a long time ago. And, and there has been the accusation that two or nine times, it's just your vehicle. I mean, you, you've mm-hmm. run for office yeah. that, 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 and so some have accused you of saying, well, two or nine times, it's just your vehicle to get into office. If you do get into office, what would your relationship be with 209 Times? I mean, I, I don't have any aspirations of running for office right now. And, and the thing is, I think even the times in the past that I, that I have run for office that where there was no 209 Times around, mm-hmm. every time that I've run for office, it, it, my political involvement, as I stated earlier, is an outgrowth from my community activism. Um, it's a means to an end to say if I want to see policies change in this area or I want to see uh, maybe resources be allocated to focus on uh, these challenges, then I can be an activist and I can go to City Hall and I can give a, a three minute speech or I can, you know, post on my social media or I can call for meetings with council members like we did when we advocated to get a library reopened um, in, in uh, one of the poorest areas of Stockton um, that I did as an activist. So for me to say, well, that just saves me one step. If, if I was in that council seat, that's one less vote I got to worry about to get on board, to open that library. Mm-hmm. It's not so much. I care to be a politician because the, the truth of the matter is I have much more power not being in office because when you're in office, you have to operate by certain rules. Or uh, you have to, what I call, like, be on your best behavior. You can't just say what's on your mind. Of course not, or else you have someone in the media who will... You have two or nine times, you know, exposing you. So was, you know, last year's efforts to run for Board of Supervisors that that your final final try to get into elected time will will tell i don't want to say like like it's it's i'm done period because you never know what issues may arise that i may feel motivated to say you know what let's uh let me let me make a run for this but i will say here and now 209 times is is three over three years old um me running for office last year if if you looked at all the stories and all the stories were about motec 
then I would say, okay, yeah, this is just a MoTeC propaganda page. But you have the fact that uh, we've we've helped solve crimes, we've helped uh, find uh, runaway uh, kids that have been found in uh, different cities. We have a pretty good relationship with law enforcement where we can reach out to them and say, hey, we want to clarify to make sure that we're putting the facts out. Was We're being told this, is this really what happened? And then we're helping them also get get a awareness out about crimes that were committed or, or, or what have you, um, whether it's promoting nonprofits, whether we do so much more than, than just talk about expose like mayor tubs <laughs> or, or, or different elected officials. But I think that's what gets the most traction because it's, it's counterbalancing all the press that he's getting. And we are the only other source that's really countering that narrative uh, and doing so with, with documentation, with, with uh, uh, videos, with, with his own statements, et cetera. Um, and, and what people should understand uh, to finish that, that point off is that two or nine times is successful because it is way more people than just me involved. It, it is a very strong team that has been put together of talented individuals that are dedicated, that are doing this out of a passion and love for the community because everybody, what we, we do have in common, I'm a progressive Bernie Sanders elected delegate, right? I have my views, but then we have conservative Republicans. We have libertarians who don't like either party. We have. Uh, oh yes, I've read the comments. We have, <laughs> we, you know, we have uh, borderline. I'm, I suspect there's a couple of anarchists in the group. Um, you know, so what we're all held together by is our common um, love for our community and wanting to see things improve. You know, we can debate presidential politics, but if if there's a park in Stockton that kids cannot go play on because it's boarded up and there's there's used drug needles littering the playground. Everybody wants to see that situation improve. And and so so when our times comes into play to say, look everybody, it's in your face. Here goes the needle on the ground. Here goes the board on on the slide. Here goes the the kid crying in the corner because they can't play on the playground today. That again that goes back to my my roots in activism to say Action is going to happen as a result of that, that it is the means to the end and wanting to see uh, the community improve. I want to save some time for our audience to be able to ask you some questions. And so I have one question for you before we turn it over to our audience. I mean, the heart of the reason why we, you know, I, I asked you to come on to the program. One, my parents still live in Stockton. Like I mentioned, Stockton is still home to me. So I recognize and realize that you have some real substantial, you know, followers, people who are really reading 209 Times, and you've got folks that you can influence. It's an election year next year. I mentioned these three major programs that are huge. And for progressives like myself, like this is a chance at really, you know, changing up a city and impacting people's lives on a, on a positive scale. Now, to be as critical as you've been for, for this mayor, what could potentially happen is it could impact, you know, a second term for him in which he'd like to see uh, his programs play out. Um, what do you... What would you, knowing that you do have some influence with residents of Stockton, I mean, what do you want to see happen? Do you, what do you, what do you, what do we want? Well, as as a uh, progressive, I also want to see these programs. uh, Here's what should be understood for for yourself, other people that, that are thinking what you're thinking right now, right? The good thing about that is that if Tubbs loses his next election, which I predict he will, 
based on the atmosphere and the climate of Stockton that people are to the point where they're they're just fed up with how things have so much declined. Right. Homelessness goes up. Homelessness goes up in L.A. 16 percent. They're calling it a crisis. Right. It goes up in Oakland. Twenty eight percent. They're having the the mayor is calling meetings. They're, they're establishing task force. It went up in Stockton 200 percent. And and you have the, the figurehead leader, which some people should understand in the Bay Area, because out here you guys have strong mayor cities like San Francisco, right. Oakland, where the mayors have authority and power. Stockton, the mayor is just a symbolic position. The city managers run the cities out there, but they do have power in that they can control and influence the city manager with the majority vote of the council. Um, but when you've seen such a... a, a increase in violent crime in homelessness in in across the board categories of everything that was this guy's platform just three years prior you you have to ask the questions why why is this happening right and so the good thing about these three programs that that michael tubbs is pushing the beautiful part of is if he loses re-election it'll have zero impact on these programs because none of these programs are city Related. None of not a single one of these programs are city business. So from our perspective, we people are upset in the community. We're critical because we're saying you were not elected to be a nonprofit leader. You were elected to be the mayor, but you're spending all your time and resources on this nonprofit, these nonprofit ventures. Again, the flip side of that is if he loses the political realm, all of these nonprofit ventures will continue to continue. Or we have to ask the question, will they? Right. Just like the Clinton Foundation, once Hillary Clinton lost the election, you saw a rapid, uh, a stark decline in contributions made to the foundation. So that is a step further. The question that has to be asked, are donations being made to this nonprofit organization, are things being expected on the back end? And and we look at it like it's not so much we want to be critical for the sake of being critical, but we really look at this as like this, this is what the media is supposed to be doing. This is why it is the the only industry listed in the U.S. Constitution and is listed number one. Right. They are supposed to be holding elected officials accountable. They're supposed to be asking these questions. They're supposed to be connecting the dots and educating the public, making them aware. And we've seen a shift locally in Stockton, but nationally where, where people, the, these, these, uh, corporate entities have gotten away from that and they've gotten into just feel good stories, you know, good day, Sacramento or good day, Bay area, what, what have you, where they just want to make people feel good. They want to sell commercials and nobody's really asking the hard questions. And, and from an activist perspective, that's unacceptable to me because the only way you change something is you have to, you, you have to, number one, make everybody aware that it's even a problem to begin with. I think you're underestimating the importance of stories about squirrels that steal pizza. <laughs> I mean, that kind of journalism is... I've seen that story. Yes. All right. It's now time for the audience, for you to ask questions. If you have a question for MoTeC, we'll take them. And this is being recorded for our, our uh, podcast later and for Progressive Voices. Because I've got one, if, well, people are thinking of another one. Um, you you talked about the you know strong mayor, weak mayor, uh, uh, city manager, all that kind of stuff. A lot of this does seem to focus on your approach to Michael Tubbs. 
you've been an activist, you've run for office, in the media as a critic, all that kind of stuff. You must have had one-on-one interactions with him over the years. Mm-hmm. What has that been like? What do you think of him? What does does he respond? Do you guys hate each other? Do you talk well together? I mean, what's uh, I, well, the, the the ironic thing is, I actually supported Michael Tubbs when he first ran. I was there at his campaign kickoff. I took my children there. I had them. You know, he had his reinvent Stockton, write what you want to see for a better community on on the poster board. I took my children to participate. Um, I believed in him. Uh, you know, he and I became acquainted when he reached out to me on a Facebook message when he was a student at Stanford saying that he used my research that I would post on on um, uh, Facebook all the time because I was making his documentary, Mudville Harvest. He's actually in the documentary. I interviewed him. That was the first time we met in person is in that documentary that, that I filmed him. Um, and to see him. You know, a lot of people, not just myself, had had a lot of high hopes for him. And I think that's why there's been such a great uh, shift in the temperature of the community with a lot of disappointment is that they they saw how quickly he deviated from from those those goals and those hopes that myself personally had for him. Two and nine times, although we do have a lot of. uh, subject matter on him because he gives us a lot of subject matter. Uh, but like I say, actually, if anything, two and times was born more as a, as a result of addressing the, the former sheriff and the corruption that was going on with him. Uh, he ended up losing his, his reelection for the first time in 12 years in great part because of the documented evidence that we were presenting against him. And so it goes to show that the more, educated a community is the more they're able to make educated decisions and that has that has an effect on who gets elected who's in positions to make public policy decisions which ultimately is my concern because the thing about politicians they come and go you know they come and go but what you what you see maintain is what are the interests behind them those interests remain. And in Stockton, what we refer to as, as the cabal, which is really a group of, of business interests that uh, control the politics, you, you see the outcomes of, you know, crime infested neighborhoods. You see the outcomes of, of, of uh, poor educational attainment rates. Um, those are the things ultimately that I'm interested in, in, in affecting. Um, so. I don't know if, yeah. Yeah, if yeah, that yeah. answers I, the question. Any, go ahead. Okay, I've got a question right here. Yeah, you didn't answer the question, so I'm asking, what what is your relationship with Mr. Tubbs now? Okay, so, okay. yeah, so uh, Mike, as I call him, um, you know, we, we don't have any ill will towards the guy. Like I said, we, we actually think that he would be better for the community if he just focused on his nonprofit work. We just don't like to see the commingling of nonprofit uh, with government business that is skirting campaign finance laws, uh, uh, things of that nature that raise these red flags because we've seen the story before and it never ended out well. Right. And so um, I had to sue him in federal court to stop blocking myself and, and dozens of other people in the community from asking these questions on social media because uh See, I imagine in the Bay Area, you guys just see, you know, beyond the firewall. You guys just see, like, everything is sunny and, and you know, there's a lot of flowers and, you know. It was the, 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 there's a bridge. Yeah. There's, <laughs> you guys see a frame that, it, that is a crafted narrative and a crafted image and a crafted message 
but you guys are not seeing what you do because your parents live there, uh, that beyond that firewall, things are looking very different. And how do you reconcile the differences, right? What, what is what is what? So as as far as Mayor Tubbs, as, as a, uh, an individual, as a person, none of us on our team have any animosity towards him. But we want to see accountability when it comes to him in his title and his role as an elected government official. Okay. We have another question back here. Uh, yes. I wanted to ask a question about your editorial process as a media executive, be being the founder of this organization. How, what's your editorial process? How do you fact check? What's the process? You said that you have a, a large group of, of people from a very, um, very, um, political perspectives involved with your organization. What's your, what is your editorial process to weed out, you know, non-factual items being posted or items that may be perceived as racist or, or, or inaccurate? That, so that's a great question. So our, our team all in all, it consists of about, uh, 16 members, some more active than others. Uh, but for, all intents and purposes, we have 16 people on our on our team. Um, when it comes to the the editorial process, if if a story is presented to us, um, which a lot of stories are, videos, uh, people asking us to post, you know, they're missing children or or what have you. Uh, depending on what the subject matter is, you, we either have to call and verify with local law enforcement, has a police report been filed? What What is the police report number? Um, or um, if there's something like, hey, somebody's threatening a shooting at this store over here, you know, this sounds like a hoax to us. Let's call the store and ask, did they actually receive that threat? Um, and so we have different people monitoring the page, and there's a certain chain of command that if it's they're authorized at their level to say, hey, this is just easy. It's just, you know, uh, go ahead and share it. But if it's something that requires more like um, a critical thought about it, then we'll, we'll powwow to say, hey, like we have internal communication. Uh, we have a secret Facebook group or email chains. and we'll, we'll communicate with each other and say, hey, what do you guys think about this? Or here goes two options and how we're going to present this story. This may be the feedback we get. What do you guys think? Should we go with A or go with B? Because we don't want to be borderline. We're sensitive about, uh, obviously, there's opposition to us at all times. So we're we're very sensitive about that. So we handle that as as a group for the most part. There's uh, sometimes where I may just do it single-handedly or other members of our group that have that level of uh, involvement do it single-handedly. But for the most part, it's uh, it's group-oriented. We have a question over here. Thank you. Michelle, I actually have a question for you. Sure. So you're from Stockton. Yeah. How have you seen the city change as far as, like, especially the homelessness and the violence? Because I'm, I know I've lived in Stockton for almost, like, 17 years now, and I've seen a progressive change that's gotten worse. Mm-hmm. Especially uh, there are a couple of homeless people I would see, like, on March Lane. You saw them every day. You can give them money and stuff like that, but it's it's out of control there. There are, like, people living under the bridge on March Lane. There are people living out by the dog park. How, what have you seen on your side of town? Uh, thank you for this question. And I can, I can give you just my personal experiences and just driving through, right, the five in order to get to my parents who live in North Stockton. Um, so right there, uh, near Eight Mile Road. And I think, 
you know, seeing and experiencing the the fires off the freeway, like that's something new and different, and yeah. and that being um, directly related, because then I would go and like look for the information, like where are these fires coming from? Are they um, from natural, you know, fires that are happening? If so, gotta let my parents know. Maybe we need to think about relocating because these fires are serious things that are happening in Northern California, right? But then to find out that you know some of these fires are happening because. Of, of human beings, um, you know, living under the uh, the freeway, the overpass, and and whatever is happening. This is per communication from the fire department. Then being overwhelmed by having to put these fires out, uh, that is new. It, you know, something I've not experienced before. Um, the number of uh, sometimes taking the Amtrak in and and waiting to be picked up and just seeing. You know, humans on the streets on San Joaquin, um, that's new. That feels like it, it's more. But here in San, knowing that the homeless crisis in San Francisco isn't necessarily just a San Francisco crisis and that it is a California crisis, it doesn't surprise me that much of our homeless issues, um, are moving, you know, more east. So I did a little bit reading. It was one of my questions that I did want to bring up to you as we start to wind down. Uh, it's not to piggyback off your question. Um, and that is, you know, knowing that the homeless crisis is a statewide crisis, if not a national crisis at this moment, because of the issues that we're facing with income inequality. We recognize that, yes, this current mayor is trying to address those issues with some programs that um, – you know, historically speaking from other progressive leaders, he's taken a page out of their book in which it could greatly, again, be a positive impact. Uh, what I want to ask is if it's it's not necessarily working the way in the process that it is right now, maybe there needs to be some improvements. How do we as communities, as people, as human beings who as families live in the, the cities, families live in our state as and we care how do we continue to fight for these ideas that we know that fights for all human beings um, and change the system or the process so that it's fitting and it's more effective? So how do you, if he's not the mayor next year, but we want these programs in place and we want to make it better, mm-hmm. how, do we, how do we work with the program, with the idea to ensure that uh, there's something better for stocking? Because I, I will say, though, Although that some of these issues are, I'm seeing they're increasing, such as homelessness and violence, there is something very, very exciting about the fact that there's somebody in New York who knows where the hell Stockton is today. And there are, you know, like millionaires, right, who like wants to talk about Stockton. I mean, uh, someone like Evan Spiegel of Snapchat being interested enough to want to put $50,000 of his own money into Michael Tubbs's uh, election. Now, just to, just to put it this way, though, if if uh, if more millions or, or more of these high idea, high thinking, advanced, um, you know, tech people want to come and invest in Stockton, that's a great thing. But maybe uh, we as people who care need to be involved versus only just staying on the the, the cr- critical sidelines. Well, we we stay involved, uh, you know, beyond two and nine times or, or uh, criticism or what have you. Every single person on our team is involved in various ways from feeding the homeless to giving books out to children to uh, a plethora of of other ways that we are part of other nonprofit organizations, uh, foundations, movements, etc. So there's always going to be ways to be involved. Um, 
and I think that we have to we have to be careful in not not what we wish for, but the fact that you know charlatans in this world do exist, right? And they do take advantage of people's emotions, and they do take advantage of the fact of what people want to see, and, and it's easy to sell them a, a promise or a product. But I always look at it and judge it from the perspective of of the results. If we have a, an elected official, and and we have several elected officials in San Joaquin County, in, in, in Stanislaus County, Merced, that have issues. But but focusing on, on Mayor Tubbs because he, he's the one that's in a lot of headlines today, right, and the programs that we're talking about. If you're selling somebody, no nobody elected a mayor to say we want to give out $500 a month for 100 people. He was elected because people felt and what he promised during his campaign, just like the guy before him and the woman before him and so on and so forth, is people want to be able to feel safe in a community that is perennially one of the most violent cities in California. People want to be able to know that they can go to shop at the at the supermarket, come outside and their windows are not broken in because they forgot to put a bag in their trunk. And now they have, you know, their ID gone or what what have you, right? It's those quality of life things that that's why government exists. It's it is to meet those basic needs. And so on one hand, as part of a narrative, you know, we have elected officials, Michael Tubbs and others that are that are bragging, saying Stockton is fiscally solvent. It we're, we're one of the most fiscally healthy in the country, but the austerity that has been the price to pay as a result of that is these parents can't go to the park now and take their kids because a slide is broken. And if we have so much money in the bank, why is this slide not being fixed? Why are the basic needs not being met? So, you know, it's like saying we want to build a new colony on the moon, but you, you, you have to also remedy the problems that exist in your very own backyard in your very own own doorstep uh and and it's it's good to have these lofty goals and and these um big ideas but if you're not meeting the basic needs of people that are paying their taxes into uh, uh these promises like measure a that promise more police officers we have paid 29 million dollars a year into this new sales tax but yet violent crime has increased every single year since it went into effect it's it's not it's not reconciling with what people are being told and what the realities are being seen yeah we have one last question but you know i'm gonna just wind down let you ask the question so you can answer and then and then we got to go but um it's always interesting because john and i do these interviews weekly and we always ask a lot of the activists so you're gonna run for office and they always start by saying no i'm not i have no interest in running for office but then we learn by the end of the hour that being involved, being engaged, it does take uh, a little bit of us to be, you know, politically active in some way. Um, and so what I want to wind down with is appreciate that there is something called 209 Times and there's a different avenue in, in, in having a discussion of what's happening in a city like Stockton. Do acknowledge that the violence exists. The homelessness is a crisis. But I also think that we all have to have a hand at the table if we're going to really make the city change for the better. Last question. Michelle, you brought up about some of the contributions that Tubbs has received for his campaign. And you also talked about this upcoming election and what what 209 Times is taking a look at. And recently, 209 Times posted about some of the the 
membership participations that he's participated in with respect to his activities. And there's a lot of controversy in Central Valley regarding that too. But for MoTeC, what is it that you're looking to bring about with regards to how much Tubbs has received from San Francisco, from Oakland for his election? And how is that going to resonate for this next election cycle? Hmm. Well, I think that, you know, when we look at $300,000 being raised for a mayor race in Stockton, which is a figure figurehead position, and then we look at we analyze those numbers and we see 80 percent of that funding is not from within city limits. You know, we we have to ask, is, is this because people are businessmen or businessmen? Businessmen don't like to just give money for the sake of just giving away some money. Oh, I wish they did. You know, and, and, <laughs> and uh, when when the record interviewed uh, Mayor Tubbs about that. He, he, without even being asked the question, he brought it up and says, oh, but they don't want anything in return. Don't worry about that. You know, they already have their own money, et cetera. Again, we've, it, it's, it's really not about Mayor Tubbs, right? We have seen this story play out before. He is just the current person in that seat. We have seen this story play out several times before. And in the wake of, you know, because every politician comes around, they have their slogan and they have their their selling points. But in the wake of that, what what is the effect on the community? Is it better? Is it not? And and that gets into, to be quite honest, people people are openly uh, in Stockton questioning the relationship with the Bay Area, and we haven't found any evidence for it to talk about the vetting process. But uh, people are openly asking if the involvement. And, and the interest that San Francisco in particular is taking with Stockton via uh, Michael Tubbs is to offload some of some of the homelessness to the Central Valley and to build low income housing there and, and to be a um, kind of a pressure valve to, to let off uh, uh, problems that are that are existing here. Um, again, that's not something we're reporting because we haven't found any evidence of it. But people are openly having those conversations in coffee shops Um and and it begs a question: Why does, has the Bay Area taken such an interest in a Stockton elected official? Uh, again, we look at the money, we look at the involvement with nonprofits and the commingling of government business, um, and those raise major red major red flags for us because you're talking about being involved and having a seat at the table. It makes it difficult for that to happen when questions are not being answered, or if you're not. Uh, uh, praiseful of of this uh, mayor you're not not only you're not invited to have a seat at the table but you're actually barred uh where there's some people in this audience who actually have tried to go to the events that are not like two or nine times and they've have been barred from uh entry to to these programs so we see with our own eyes there is not an effort. Actually, it's the opposite to get community involvement and to get everybody at the table, even if they have differences of opinion, the same way that we have differences of opinion. Um, and it kind of piggyback more off our editorial process. One thing we decided from the beginning is we're not going to get involved in any national politics because it's just so polarizing. So everything we focus on uh is is rooted in local issues because again if there's a if there's a closed library around the corner and then homeless uh are are congregating there and there's mattresses in front and you have drugs come along 
Everybody can agree that is a problem, regardless of who you voted for for president or governor. And so that's what we want to focus on. What what can we do to affect change locally, make people more aware and um, give people more of a voice and feel more that they do have a stake in this and they don't have to be an elected official to get involved. They don't have to be the head of Maybe a Maybe not that, but definitely voicing opinion and, and, and getting involved in various different ways. Motek, I want to thank you so much for joining us here in San Francisco and talking about Stockton. There's one thing for sure. We know that you love Stockton. You've got a lot of Most real definitely. passion yeah. for, for Stockton and its community and you want to see good things. And, uh, and, and 209 times. So... Check out MoTeC and the 209 Times team if you want to learn more. Uh, we're here at the Commonwealth Club every Thursday with, with very special programming coming up. So check out commonwealthclub.org slash MMS. We'll see you next time. Thank you very much.